0: All right, welcome to the first of its kind, world-changing Manufacturers Network. Lisa Ryan has her ears to the ground and her heart in the game. Get ongoing education and new connections right here with Lisa and the Manufacturers Network. Buckle your seat, listen, and spread the word. Here's Lisa. Hey, it's Lisa Ryan, and welcome to the Manufacturers Network podcast. I'm excited to introduce our guest, Scott Galvin. Scott is a seasoned change agent with over 25 years experience successfully helping organizations realize their potential. Throughout his career, Scott's focus has been on driving performance gains through organizational alignment and a progressive approach to operations strategy. He has advised companies the world over and across a wide range of industries, including pharmaceuticals, biotech, consumer goods, medical devices, agriculture, packaging, legal services, banking, food processing, and industrial manufacturing. He holds a BA from the University of Massachusetts, an MBA from Boston University, and is a Six Sigma Black Belt. Scott, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Lisa. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So share with us a little bit about your background and what has led you into the work that you do, particularly with lean. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, you know, early in my career, I worked for a small manufacturer and got a chance to play in a lot of different arenas and learned a lot about some of the issues that plague manufacturing companies. Early on, I I realized that there was a disconnect between some of the change that we were creating and and how we were creating that change. And over the course of many experiments that that went awry, learned that one of the things that we struggle with is is how to implement sustainable change when we're implementing and and practicing our our lean. And and so one of the things that I've uh, really focused especially the last probably 10, 15 years is how to create change, but in a more sustainable way and really focused around the human element of the lean practices.
0: Yeah. And that was one of the things that we were talking a little bit before we started the interview is that manufacturers are pretty much familiar with lean. I mean, everybody at some point is doing lean, but you mentioned that a lot of them are only doing about 50% of lean. So what are they doing right? And then what's missing?
1: Lean really comes from the work of the American executives who studied the Toyota operating model back in the 1980s. And they've adapted it to their own operating models. But there's two parts of that Toyota model. And one is continuous improvement. And the other is respect for people. Many equate the respect for people as being nice being nice to people and you know you should be nice because that's the right human thing to do but uh, the idea of respect for people isn't about being nice the respect for people part is really toyota's operating mindset forms their culture so the respect for people pillar is about the mindset you establish that focuses on the human element of the change and how you're incorporating every stakeholder into the change equation and letting their skills their talents their knowledge their experience uh, inform the change itself most organizations, as I mentioned, get this wrong because they focus just on the continuous improvement side of, of these two pillars and they just give lip service to the respect for people piece and then and just implement the tools and then focus on creating cost reductions or productivity improvements.
0: And why do you think that is? Do you think that they're they're thinking that the second pillar is soft, is those soft skills and not contributing as much to the bottom line as the improvement, the continuous improvement where maybe they can actually see those dollars or where's the disconnect?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I think it all comes out of what's driving the need, right? So what's driving the executive is uh, we've got to get our gains. We've got to get our numbers up. We've got to improve our performance. And so what are the tangible things that we can do, that we can see, that we can affect, that will drive those? And there's a lot of tools in the whole lean methodology that really help drive change that will ultimately affect reducing waste or increasing productivity. The problem is that a lot of those changes aren't sustained. And in fact, there's an Industry Week article floating out there that that they did a study that suggested that as much as 97% of lean efforts fail to achieve what they set out to accomplish, most start their lean efforts, I think with the wrong purpose. They, they set out to reduce costs, to eliminate waste, to improve efficiencies. Thus, they focus on the metrics as opposed to focusing on kind of the holistic approach, which is a combination of not just the tools, but the, the mindsets and the culture around the respect for people aspect. The purpose is actually, I, I think, for uh, around the respect for people piece, it's not about being nice, as I mentioned. The purpose is actually to engage the stakeholders to create more value. That's, that's why we're doing this continuous improvement thing. If we're focused on just reducing cost, well then, you know, that, that's got a shelf life that's, that's not very long. And this is why we, well, we often see a lot of, uh, especially our clients who, who have called us back uh, to help them, it's because they've done lean or they've had some lean initiatives uh, they didn't stick. The efforts aren't sustained. And so they're they're asking us, hey, you know, w- w- help us with another approach to this. And, and often what we're seeing when we do an evaluation is that there's a, a lack of the understanding and implementation of the respect for people piece.
0: It's interesting because you think with only two pillars that that would be 50% each. 50% right. of the time we're focusing on continuous improvement. And then the other 50% is that respect for people. But for the companies that are making that mistake, what would you say that their ratio is?
1: You mean as far as, you know, how much of or the is respect it 80 for the
0: people percent doing? Co- Yeah, 80% continuous and 20% people, or are they just not doing the people part at all because they're all focused on reducing those costs and getting lean?
1: Yeah, I mean, what I've seen is uh, the average, uh, let's just talk about, there's, there's, really two kinds of organizations. There's organizations who have been doing this for a really long time and have kind of come around to understand what the Respect for People piece is. And they understand that it is a mindset shift, it is a cultural shift, it is, it's, it's the way we operate as opposed to a thing that we do. The continuous improvement side are the things that we do. And so the immediate needs, obviously we, we focus on the continuous improvement. So for the average organization, It's like 98% continuous improvement tools and maybe a nod to the Respectful People piece. Mm. Um, In fact, there's very few organizations that I've been to that I think really do a good job with the Respectful People piece because it really is a focus on the mindset and the culture uh, of the organization itself.
0: And what are some of the things that you advise your clients to start to do to get stronger in that respect for people aspect of lean?
1: Again, it goes back to the mindset. So, one of the things that we do with our clients when we're heading down this path is, one, we look at why are they doing weed in the first place? What's, what's the purpose of it? And it's almost always to improve the operation efficiencies or reduce costs in some ways. But then we, we migrate the conversation over to the people aspect because if their people were more capable, if their people had better buy-in, if the people were more engaged, uh, They the, the end result would be the improvement in productivity, the reduction of costs, the elimination of waste. Uh, and so a lot of the conversation when we start is around, what are the right mindsets that the organization needs to adopt in order to just have it be part of the way we do things as opposed to creating these events that almost force the change to happen? And so one of the first things we do is, is an evaluation of what are the current mindsets and what are the mindsets that we, we want to migrate to? And then we create a path to migrate from the current mindset to whatever that future mindset is that, that we want to have.
0: So does that start with an employee survey or how do you figure out what the mindset is?
1: So the mindsets are usually dictated by leadership. So whatever whatever the leaders think usually pervades through the rest of the organization. So it's really a conversation with the key leaders in the organization around what do they think. So I'll give you an example. So one of the questions that I ask when I sit down with the leadership team is on a scale of zero to 100, what percentage of the employees at this organization come to work, the intention to do their best every day. And the executives usually will come back with somewhere between 25 to 80%. And so, you know, so that gives me kind of a sense of where their mindset is at in terms of the employee. What I start to describe to them is that, you know, they should be thinking the answers to that question is really 100%. Now, what they'll say to me is, oh, well, but I can tell you the guy. I know the guy that definitely doesn't come to do his best every day. And what I explain to them is it's not about that guy. It's about your mindset. How do you see the people in your organization? Because if you see them, if you see that only 50% of them are coming to do their best, Well then guess the kind of decisions that you make, how you resource the policy decisions that you make, kind of process changes that you make, because now you're making changes based on that 50% of the population is trying to get one over on you. And so that just drives all kinds of waste in and of itself. So the first mindset shift has to be with the leadership that every one of them comes to work every day thinking that 100% of the people are coming to work to do their best. And if they're not doing their best, then what is it that's getting in their way and what can I do to remove those, those barriers? So that's one of the first ways that we, we do kind of that evaluation. It's, it's a conversation really.
0: It sounds like it could be a difficult conversation if you run into a leader that comes up right off the bat and says, "Only oh, like 20% of my people, and that's how they're seeing it. That's such an interesting perspective. So how do you have that conversation and get that leader to start thinking, you know what, it's not my people, it's me.
1: It's not my job to necessarily change their mind. It's my job to just create the environment that hopefully inspires them to reconsider how they've been approaching things. And if they're bringing me in, it's because that what they've been doing isn't working. And so they want to do something different. And so all I'm proposing is, hey, here's a new approach. If you change your mindset, you change your thinking, you change your approach. Because if you want to change the outcomes, you first have to change your mindset. Changing your mindset will then drive a new set of behaviors. Those new behaviors, we can then form into new habits. Those new habits then ultimately create the, the outputs or the results or the outcomes that we're looking for. Uh, and so it's a, it's a process. If, if they have a better path to get to those outcomes, well, then they'd probably be pursuing it. And so there are occasions when I've had an executive say, no, nah, I'm sticking to my guns. It's only 20%. And, and what I have to say is, I, then I can't help you. Because if you're not willing to change your mindset, then we're not going to change behaviors. If we don't change behaviors, we can't change habits. And if we don't change the habits, you're going to get the same outcomes that you've always been getting.
0: Well. Wow. So when it comes to Mindset Changing 101, what is the very first thing that a leader listening to this podcast may do to get started?
1: First thinking about what is the intention behind the behaviors that they're engaging in? Why are they making that decision? Are they making that decision for something that is for themselves? Or are they making that decision for something that is beneficial to those around them? That's the first challenge you can use to evaluate, do you have the right mindset or not? If, the, if it's so that I can get my numbers up, so I can look good or so that I can achieve my goals. If you're saying a lot of me and my, or I, then chances are you've got a tainted mindset. If you're mm-hmm. saying to help my team, to help my people, to make it more effective, to get uh, more of their voice into the conversation, to utilize more of their skills and talents and knowledge and experience, Well, then you're probably on the right path. And so, you know, there's degrees there that you can you can look at. But the first thing would be look at yourself and and how are you evaluating the behaviors that you're engaging in? Are you doing those things for your intrinsic reasons or are you doing them to help others around you?
0: That reminds me of going through sales copy or, or speeches or whatever, and basically doing eye surgery on it, <laughs> where you're removing all of those eyes and looking at the needs of that customer, that prospect, that audience member. That is a really good beginning step for people is to do some eye surgery.
1: Yeah. The, the, the other thing I, I always come back to is in these change efforts, we always talk about getting buy-in and another thing that i think leaders can do is improve their odds of success by getting better buy-in and buy-in really is a combination of creating clarity and listening and so if you want people to buy in first they've got to uh, understand what they're buying into and leaders just don't do a really good job of creating that clarity you're on a need-to-know basis and you know right now you don't need to know and that, that just doesn't work for just about any change effort. The second is listening, and people need to be able to express their concerns, their fears, their disillusionment of whatever the change is. They need to be they need to have a platform where they can disagree, debate it out. Now, once they've had that that moment that they can have that conversation and their voice has been heard, and we've we've had that conversation and, and, and talked about why they don't like the idea or why they don't like the change, there's a much greater chance that they will commit to that change even if they disagree with it because they understand what the change is for and their voice has been heard. So they've been at least able to express their concerns or their reservations about the change. That's another thing that I think leaders could do is if you wanna increase your your change success, create better buy-in by creating clarity and, and listening.
0: Yeah, and and creating that safe environment for people to express what they like, what they don't like. I tell people I in my programs to become the master of the poker face. No matter what that employee tells you, no matter what that person in your organization tells you, your only response is thank you for sharing, even though you want to just say, no, that's not right. You know? yeah. But that safe environment and just being okay with right. whatever employees say, sounds like that has a big part to do with getting the buy-in that we need to move yeah. forward. Yeah,
1: yeah, and the other thing that we often see is that people shy away from this buy-in because they're afraid of the conflict that might arise out of that. Like you were saying, you, know, you have to have that poker face. I actually don't think it's a bad thing to say, you know, I'm, I'm not sure I agree with, with you on that. I, and, and here's the reason why. Those conversations are the richest conversations because if we shy away from the conflict that that might create, it's okay for us to have differences of opinion. The differences of opinion create the platform for us to share, and, and if there's if there's one thing that I would I would tell people, don't shy away from the conflict. Conflict is just a difference of opinion. Sometimes involves some strong emotions. What I would say is, don't have a poker face. M- manage your emotions around it so that you don't retort back or that you don't just dis- be dismissive about it. But have the conversation because the conversations are where all the richness and all the opportunity and and where you can really debate because. As, as a leader in my own organization, I know I'm not always right. I'm not going to admit that to my team always because, you know, we don't, we don't want to say that we're wrong. But, but allowing yourself to not always be right as a leader is a really powerful thing because people have different, uh, people have different knowledge that they're bringing to the situation. So allowing that, that conflict to kind of bubble up and have the conversation in a respectful way, of course, is really valuable.
0: When at the beginning, you said that respect wasn't about being nice and Mm -hmm. that clarification of the fact that when you're nice is when you're really conflict avoidant, where people aren't necessarily feeling safe because I don't want to hurt their feelings or whatever. Mm -hmm. But respect comes from the opportunity to share a difference of opinion and still like each other or at least be polite to each other at the end of the day.
1: Right. Right. And in fact, we have a workshop that we often run. It's kind of a, a, a primer workshop for a lot of the change efforts that we do. And we always run this workshop before we start any new lean effort. And it's called Conflict is the Root of All Waste. And the idea behind this, this, this workshop is that a lot of the waste that we see are the symptoms of unresolved conflicts. So if we got really good at engaging in productive conflict in a respectful way, not only are you creating that environment of respect for people, but you're almost encouraging it because we we want to have, we're, we're saying we want to have the conflicts so that we can flush out what is really underneath all of these wastes because the reason why a lot of these wastes keep coming back on people is because they're dealing with the surface waste and not the underlying current that's, that's driving the waste in the first place. And, and I often equate it to my, my lawn. You know, I, the lawn comes up and it looks beautiful. And then all of a sudden I start seeing the weeds. And so what do I do? I, I mow the lawn now the weeds are gone and my, my lawn looks beautiful. And then two weeks later, we get a little bit of rain and two weeks later, the weeds are right back. And what we often do with our kaizen activities or our lean activities is we mow the lawn. So we knock down the waste but they they just keep coming back because we haven't actually addressed the fundamental uh, root that's that's at the at the root of that waste, which is that unresolved conflict. And if you're practicing respect for people, you're willing to go at the root, not just cut the surface uh, waste.
0: Wow, that is a really powerful explanation of of getting to the root of that. Well, we're getting to the end of our time together. So Scott, what are some of the ways that you serve your clients and what is the best way for people to get in touch with you?
1: Our practice really revolves around three kind of key pillars. One is helping organizations develop strategies uh, to grow their businesses. And so that then kind of leads into the operation components where we, we do help organizations with their lean efforts. And the third piece is around the uh, culture or organizational development piece. What we find is that they're, all three are, are connected. If, you, if you've got a good strategy, then that strategy can inform you the way you're gonna operate. And in order to support the way you operate, you need to have a good culture. And so we help organizations uh, in the kind of where those three meet. Best way to learn more about myself or my organization is to go to our website, uh, macresco, M-A-C-R-E-S-C-O.com. Uh, And there's a ton of information about kind of our models, our approach, and, and there's a way to contact us right there.
0: Well, wonderful. Well, Scott, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and insight when it comes to lean and that respect for people. It's been a blast catching up with you.
1: Thank you, Lisa. It's been a lot of fun.
0: I'm Lisa Ryan, and this is the Manufacturer's Network podcast. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Hey, do me a favor. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Also, feel free to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues so we can grow the network and connect more fantastic folks just like you. You can either go to the website at manufacturers-network.com or share the podcast on your LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you and your industry friends hang out. The bigger and faster we grow this network, the stronger and deeper community we will have. I appreciate you. Thank you.